Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Welcome to Off the Bench. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope everybody had a good week. Ready for the weekend to kick off. We got a big show lined up for you. Danny Cannell and Rajah Bell here. We have Dave Richards going to break down a little fantasy football. Yeah. We're going to hit all the preseason uh, action that went on last night. 12 games in full force. Five-star Q&A. We do it every Friday. We got some good questions for you guys. But I have some advice for you, Raja. Okay. Anything you saw last night, just throw it out. Scrap that. <laughs> just throw it out. Okay. It's so tempting because you see glimpses of stuff and you're like, oh, man, here we go. Like, this guy's going to be great. This guy's going to yeah. change their season. This team is going to look good. Don't do it. Don't fall for it. You should look good in the preseason. You should that, look good. Uh, for everyone, or are you talking about specifically quarterbacks? You're, I can't everyone. take anything away from anything I saw everyone. last night. You should look good. I'm not saying great. Right. You should just look good. Like, you should look dialed in, precise, clean. If you look bad, that's more concerning. That's a telling. That's more telling. Yeah. Got it. So we heard about the Cam Newton, Calvin Benjamin beef all week, right? Calvin Benjamin goes on The Athletic, puts Cam Newton on blast. So that was one of the things I was most looking forward to was – the pregame ritual of just saying what's up to your boy who used to play with. And that's exactly what Cam Newton did. But he went – I give uh. Cam Newton a ton of credit for going up to Kelvin Benjamin and talking to him. And yeah. like saying, what's up, man? Why'd you do that? What's going on? Why can't you do something? Walk right up into his space. Uh The hands behind the back is definitely – a. That's a very aggressive posture, like really close in his per look, boom, boom, what, what you want to do? Yeah. Um Kelvin Benjamin backed up. He gave him a little elbow at first to kind of get his space back. Um, I'm with you on that. Like, what's he up? tracked like, him down. Like, he kept going after him, you, kept coming in front of him, and was just like, what's up? I thought we were boys. Explain yes. this. Yeah. You have some explaining to do. Like, right. Lucy, you got some explaining to do. And yep. I appreciated that from Cam. Uh, when we when we initially talked about this, when Kelvin Benjamin made those comments, I thought he had some really good points. Like, I thought he had he was spot on. He, you know, he said, hey, you know, if I had a better quarterback, he kind of called Cam out for his not being an elite tier quarterback, which yeah. I'm fine with. Nah, but dog. at least be man enough nah, to dog. talk to him and say it. Nah, what? you ain't fine you with that. No, no. Don't Who does that? It? No, don't say that. Like what first of all, like isn't like he comes in sh- every year and looks like he's like thirty five pounds overweight, right? Like that's been yes, a knock on Kelvin Benjamin that he's lazy, like and he hasn't gotten the most out of his uh uh perceived talents either. Um I don't appreciate a dude like that throwing stones like bro you live in a glass house don't don't be throwing stones at cam like you can argue whether you know and it's debatable whether he's a top you know tier quarterback or not but it's not your place to really be throwing him under the bus bro you have work to do like you're not you're not a hall of fame all pro receiver yourself you know what i mean go about your business go to work leave cam the hell alone I, and then, and then Calvin Benjamin afterwards with the press wouldn't even acknowledge it. Like, but if you're going to do it, at least be mad. I thought, I thought Cam looked like the bigger dude in this one. He literally looked like the bigger dude <laughs> yeah, well, in this one. Well, he is one. a monster. He's Those are two really big But that's dudes. a big both receiver, right? Yeah, they're both like 6'5". They're both, uh, huge. So it's turning a little bit like the NBA. You get some drama off the court. Now yeah. we're starting to see a little bit of drama in the uh, like NFL it. unfold too. But there was some actual action that went on too. And I was the game I was most looking forward to was the game that the NFL Network had on the national spotlight. Right. It was the Baker Mayfield show. And again, take it with a grain of salt. You know, it's the first game out. He's playing with a lot of backups. But I've, we talked about this earlier in the week. I don't care what the stats say. I don't care that he threw two touchdowns. Right. I care that he looked comfortable. He looked like he was playing within a system. He looked like he was decisive with every decision that he made. He knew where to go with the football. So I think from that perspective, 
it was a success. Now, hold off on saying, oh, he's going to start week one or anything else, but I thought he did exactly what he needed to do. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, he looked like the situation wasn't too big for him, like he wasn't nervous, like he did have a full grasp of at least what they wanted to execute last night. Um, the flip side of that is Tyrod looked really good too, right? Yeah. Um, but I think everybody understands the Tyrod situation there. That's kind of place holding until Baker. Um, and the question would be like, what, I, you know, at what point do you see Baker there this year? And if I'm looking at it, I think either Tyrod will have to have a few games of regression like mm-hmm. during the season, uh, or the Browns will have to not be performing up to the level that of their own expectations, at which point you'll probably see Baker. But I think the Browns are going to surprise some people. Like, And it's not because of the quarterbacks, although they both – you know, they're both upgrades from what they've had in the past, but that receiving core, like with the Antonio Callaway, David Njoku, um, Jarvis Landry, like they're weapons out there. And I think they're going to be better than people think. I think so too. I think you're spot on with this one. And it's hard to grasp and say, well, an 0-16 team is all of a sudden going to be this playoff contender, but we see it all the time. Teams go from worst in their division to first. And I'm not, I don't, they're not going to knock off the Steelers. But I think it's absolutely reasonable to think they could get eight and eight. Yep. They could be a wild card NF, uh, playoff team and get in there. And I think you're onto something too, because I, as much as we're going to focus on the quarterbacks, because it's what we do, it's the most important position in the game. They do have some stuff. Jarvis Landry has quietly, it's because the Dolphins have been atrocious. He's been tearing apart the league sure. with, with a questionable, he's had Cutler, Tannehill, and other, you know, whoever else is back there playing quarterback for the Dolphins. He's put up big numbers. And you see him have this presence out there. He is a stud out there. And David Njoku had a great game. Like, he's a big physical tight end you can throw to. They have a ton of weapons. It could be a turnaround. So I think Hugh Jackson is going to have a tough decision. I think you go with Tyrod because he's the experienced vet. And if you're Tyrod, you make it as tough as you can on them to play Baker Mayfield. Sure. And 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 then if you're Hugh Jackson... You, you, you hope this is the case that unfolds. I have a really tough, uh, situation on my hands. The best case scenario for me, for Cleveland, is that Tyrod plays, plays great, plays the entire season, and next year they can trade him the way the uh, Chiefs did with Alex Smith. Correct. They got something in return for him. He was that placeholder. They see enough from Baker Mayfield this season to trust him to take over the reins. And then you kind of move on, and he gets a red shirt year because I think he could use it. And I think yeah. every every young quarterback could that's use it. that's the best case scenario for for both, right? Because Tyrod's the more ready quarterback to do that with. Now we even touch on Josh Gordon, who's got some personal stuff to to sort out. But I mean, good lord, dude, could you imagine like rolling those guys out there to catch passes? But I agree with you. You get Baker some some live kind of looks at what's taking place, but he's still protected because all of the onus of winning isn't on him. You up Tyrod's uh, stats and his, his stock to a point where you can flip that for something else, and then you roll Baker out next year in a year where everyone's more positioned to win. Like, that's a win-win for everybody. So did you see the whole Des Bryant transaction that was going back and forth? Because they might add, be able to add another he receiver. He said he's ready to talk now. <laughs> yes. oh, this is hilarious. So Des is out there. So Dorsey, before the game, there's news comes out that he hadn't returned my calls. Like, I've, I've, I've want him to come in so Dez said for real I wouldn't mind playing for the Browns I just want to be right first he said that at 315 but when he said that I was like uh-oh why why aren't you right first then after he watches the game unfold see some of the talent he's like I'm ready to come come into the land to see you Mr. Dorsey like all of a sudden he's ready to go well I would never put it out there that you're not ready like why aren't you in ready why aren't you why wouldn't you be ready to go at the drop of a hat yes, to go work out doing? for a team like what else exactly right. what else do you have to do so maybe they'll be able to add another weapon cuz I've I firmly believe Des Bryant could be a great addition to a team 
if he's hungry, he's angry, he wants to prove people wrong, and he wants to play for a bigger so deal. You land Des Bryant, um, you get back Josh Gordon whenever this stuff is done. I don't mean to be. Is this the best receiving core in the NFL? I no, mean, there's some for, other ones that would have more stability. But from a raw talent perspective, they'd be pretty good. I mean, you got you got to look at I Julio mean, Jones and Calvin Ridley, who's young, and Muhammad Sanu with the Falcons. They would probably sure. be the top. Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. And Raja Bell. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Welcome to Off the Bench. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope everybody had a good week. Ready for the weekend to kick off. We got a big show lined up for you. Danny Cannell and Rajah Bell here. We have Dave Richards going to break down a little fantasy football. Yeah. We're going to hit all the preseason uh, action that went on last night. 12 games in full force. Five-star Q&A. We do it every Friday. We got some good questions for you guys. But I have some advice for you, Raja. Okay. Anything you saw last night? Just throw it out. Scrap that. <laughs> Just throw it out. Okay. It's so tempting because you see glimpses of stuff and you're like, oh, man, here we go. Like, this guy's going to be great. This guy's going to yeah. change their season. This team is going to look good. Don't do it. Don't fall for it. You should look good in the preseason. You should that, look good. Uh, for everyone? Or are you talking about specifically quarterbacks? You're, I can't everyone. take anything away from anything I saw everyone. last night. You should look good. I'm not saying great. Right. You should just look good. Like, you should look dialed in, precise, clean. If you look bad, that's more concerning. That's a telling. That's more telling. Yeah. Got it. So we heard about the Cam Newton, Calvin Benjamin beef all week, right? Calvin Benjamin goes on The Athletic, puts Cam Newton on blast. So that was one of the things I was most looking forward to was the pregame ritual of just saying what's up to your boy who you used to play with. And that's exactly what Cam Newton did. But he went – I give uh. Cam Newton a ton of credit for going up to Calvin Benjamin – and talking to him and yeah. like saying, "What's up, man? Why'd you do that? What's going on? Why can't you do something?" Walk right up into his space. Uh, the hands behind the back is definitely a that's a very aggressive posture. Like really close in his per look. Boom, boom. What? What you want to do? Yeah. Um, Kevin Benjamin backed up. He gave him a little elbow at first to kind of get his space back. Um, I'm with you on that. Little, what's he up? He tracked like, him down. Like he kept going after him. You come in front of him and was just like, "What's up?" I thought we were boys. Explain yes. this. Yeah, you have some explaining to do. Like right. Lucy, you got some explaining to do, and yep. I appreciated that from Cam. Uh, when we when we initially talked about this, when Calvin Benjamin made those comments, I thought he had some really good points. Like I thought he had he was spot on. He said, you know, he said, "Hey, you know, if I had a better quarterback, he kind of called Cam out for his." Not being an elite tier quarterback, which yeah. I'm fine with. Nah, but dog. at least be man enough nah, to talk to him and say it. Nah, what? you ain't fine you with that. No, no, you who does that? It? No, don't say that. Like what? First of all, like isn't like he comes in sh every year and looks like he's like 35 pounds overweight, right? Like that's been yes, a knock on Kelvin Benjamin that he's lazy, like, and he hasn't gotten the most out of his uh, uh, perceived talents either. Um, I don't appreciate a dude like that. Throwing stones, like bro, you live in a glass house. Don't don't be throwing stones at Cam. Like you can argue whether you know, and it's debatable whether he's a top you know tier quarterback or not. But it's not your place to really be throwing him under the bus, bro. You have work to do. Like you're yeah. not you're not a Hall of Fame All Pro receiver yourself. You know what I mean? Go about your business. Go to work. Leave Cam the hell alone. I and then and then Calvin Benjamin afterwards with the press wouldn't even acknowledge it. Like, but if you're going to do it, at least be man. I thought I thought Cam looked like the bigger dude in this one. He literally looked like the bigger dude. <laughs> yeah, well, in this he one. is a monster. He's Those are two really. Big but that's dudes. a big receiver, six, right? Yeah, they're both like six five. They're both uh huge. So it's turning a little bit like the NBA. You get some drama off the court. Now yeah. we're starting to see a little bit of drama in the uh, like NFL it. unfold too. But there was some actual action that went on too. And I was the game I was most looking forward to was the game that the NFL Network had on the. 
national spotlight. Right. It was the Baker Mayfield show. And again, take it with a grain of salt. You know, it's the first game out. He's playing with a lot of backups, but i we talked about this earlier in the week. I don't care what the stats say. I don't care that he threw two touchdowns. Right. I care that he looked comfortable. He looked like he was playing within a system. He looked like he was decisive with every decision that he made. He knew where to go with the football. So I think from that perspective, it was a success. Now, hold off on saying, oh, he's going to start week one or anything else, but I thought he did exactly what he needed to do. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, he looked like the situation wasn't too big for him, like he wasn't nervous, like he did have a full grasp of at least what they wanted to execute last night. Um, the flip side of that is Tyrod looked really good too, right? Yeah. Um, but I think everybody understands the Tyrod situation there. That's kind of place holding until Baker. Um, and the question would be like, what, I, you know, at what point do you see Baker there this year? And if I'm looking at it, I think either Tyrod will have to have a few games of regression like during the season, uh, or the Browns will have to not be performing up to the level that of their own expectations, at which point you'll probably see Baker. But I think the Browns are going to surprise some people. Like, And it's not because of the quarterbacks, although they both – you know, they're both upgrades from what they've had in the past, but that receiving core, like with the Antonio Callaway, David Njoku, um, Jarvis Landry, like they're weapons out there. And I think they're going to be better than people think. I think so too. I think you're spot on with this one. And it's hard to grasp and say, well, an 0-16 team is all of a sudden going to be this playoff contender, but we see it all the time. Teams go from worst in their division to first. And I'm not, I don't, they're not going to knock off the Steelers. But I think it's absolutely reasonable to think they could get eight and eight. Yep. They could be a wild card NF, uh, playoff team and get in there. And I think you're on to something too, because I, as much as we're going to focus on the quarterbacks, because it's what we do, it's the most important position in the game. They do have some stuff. Jarvis Landry has quietly, it's because the Dolphins have been atrocious. He's been tearing apart the league sure. with, with a questionable, he's had Cutler, Tannehill, and other, you know, whoever else is back there playing quarterback for the Dolphins. He's put up big numbers. And you see him have this presence out there. He is a stud out there. And David Njoku had a great game. Like, he's a big physical tight end you can sure. throw to. They have a ton of weapons. It could be a turnaround. So I think Hugh Jackson is going to have a tough decision. I think you go with Tyrod because he's the experienced vet. And if you're Tyrod, you make it as tough as you can on them to play Baker Mayfield. Sure. And, you, and, if, and, if, and then, if you're Hugh Jackson, you, you, you hope this is the case that unfolds. I have a really tough uh, situation on my hands. The best case scenario for me for Cleveland is that Tyrod plays, plays great, plays the entire season, and next year they can trade him the way the uh, Chiefs did with Alex Smith. Correct. They got something in return for him. He was that placeholder. They see enough from Baker Mayfield this season to trust him to take over the reins, and then you kind of move on. And he gets a red shirt year because I think he could use it. And I think yeah. every every young quarterback could. That's do that's it. the best case scenario for for both, right? Because Tyrod's the more ready quarterback to do that with. Now we even touch on Josh Gordon, who's got some personal stuff to to sort out. But I mean, good lord, dude, could you imagine like rolling those guys out there to catch passes? But I agree with you. You get Baker some some live kind of looks at what's taking place, but he's still protected because all of the onus of winning isn't on him. You up Tyrod's uh, stats and his, his stock to a point where you can flip that for something else, and then you roll Baker out next year in a year where everyone's more positioned to win. Like, that's a win-win for everybody. Did you see the whole Des Bryant transaction that was going back and forth? Because they might add, be able to add another he receiver. said he's ready to talk now. <laughs> yes. oh, this is hilarious. So Des is out there. So Dorsey, before the game, there's news comes out that he hadn't returned my calls. Like, I've, I've, I've him to come in so Dez said for real I wouldn't mind playing for the Browns I just want to be right first he said that at 315 but when he said that I was like uh-oh why why aren't you right first then after he watches the game unfold see some of the talent he's like 
I'm ready to come, come into the land to see you, Mr. Dorsey. Like all of a sudden he's ready to go. Well, I would never put it out there that you're not ready. Like, why aren't you in ready? Why aren't you? Why wouldn't you be ready to go at the drop of a hat yes, to go work out doing? for a team? Like, what else? Exactly. Right. What else do you have to do? So maybe they'll be able to add another weapon because I've, I firmly believe Des Bryant could be a great addition to a team. If he's hungry, he's angry, he wants to prove people wrong, and he wants to play for a bigger so deal. You land Des Bryant, um, you get back Josh Gordon whenever this stuff is done. I don't mean to be. Is this the best receiving core in the NFL? I no, mean, there's some from, other ones that would have more stability, but from a raw talent perspective, they'd be pretty good. I mean, you got you got to look at I Julio mean, Jones and Calvin Ridley, who's young, and Muhammad Sanu with the Falcons. They would probably sure. be one of the top tier ones. Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster probably a little bit better, Bro. but. You're talking about maybe one of the most underrated and could be potentially top three, top four. Well, where do you put classes. where you put Jarvis in the in the realm of like slot guys? Yeah, I right think now. I think he's up there as right. one of the best receivers in the league. I think he's going to have a breakout season. Now, again, he was on a bad team. If the Browns are bad again, yep. then he's going to get buried, and it doesn't matter. But I think he's as physically gifted as most of these guys. You watch him run routes. You watch him in warm-ups. He does the Odell Beckham. No surprise. They played at the same university. Yeah, yeah, they trained yeah, yeah, together. Yeah. Does the one-handed grabs. Like, he's got hands for days. So I like him from that perspective. So I yeah. think he could have a huge year. Um, the other big storyline that everybody was watching was Andrew Luck. Like, how is right. he going to look? I thought he passed his first test, but that's about it. Like, that is all I saw from him. I saw a couple screen passes. Which is a popular play to run in the preseason. People work on their screen timing. It's an easy completion. You get some confidence right. up. You saw him take a couple hits, but they they were you know decent hits, but they're not anything to compared to playing a full game in the NFL. We're going to take a pounding. So I thought he did okay. I thought it was like it was the first test back, but I'm not ready to go say up oh, Andrew Luck's back. He's ready to contend for MVP. Uh, you know, status. I yeah. still need to see something from him. Um, well, yeah, I mean, after missing that much time, I mean, five, um, 19 months, 585 passes. Yeah. Yeah. So like, well, after missing that much time, if I'm Andrew Luck, um, and I missed, I missed probably a whole year with a, with a wrist like kind of reconstruction deal. Like my first time out in a preseason, I really didn't care what my stats looked like or anything like that. I was just trying to like get out there and get a sweat, like a live sweat, like trying to get my mind wrapped around being back in live competition again and then you know after that you go back to the drawing board and you worry about like whether your your timing's there and your you know everything's accurate and stuff like that but you're just excited like I w- you could probably ask Andrew Luck last night before game like how excited are you scale of 1 to 10 right now like just genuinely he would have probably been at an 11 right. because you've just been waiting for so long to get back so coming out unscathed like to your point all week is why you know why play him I think it's for that like I think it was more for him than it was for them to see whether or not he was ready to do anything. He talks a lot to the media. He shares a lot of information. So when he was speaking about the nerves and stuff, he, he gave this whole long answer after the game. He's like, well, I got up. I did my normal routine. I went for a walk. I had espresso. <laughs> and then he's like, I was nervous, and I didn't know what to do. And then finally I just said, forget it. So I got back, and it felt natural. He talks a ton, which is a good thing. Like, it's refreshing sure. to hear, but he's such a nerd when he talks. Like, he's got that <laughs> like, weird-sounding voice, and he's such, like, a Stanford nerd. Right. And he loves it. Like, he owns up to that. <clears throat> Excuse me. But he is such a, like, it's such a nerdy thing for him to do. I am more curious to see not if he's healthy, but to see if he plays better. Because he, when you play on bad teams, you start making bad decisions, and you start trying to do too much, put more too much on your shoulders. He had a lot of bad interceptions. He hung on to the football a really long time. I'm not curious. I, I think he'll be fine physically. I want to see if he develops as a quarterback 
where he takes that next step and starts making better decisions to where he can truly become considered one of the top 10 quarterbacks again in the league. Let me ask you a question because I have this argument a lot with parents about like teams. Um, can you learn how to lose? Do you believe it? No, I think you can get, I think you can get comfortable losing, which is the worst case scenario. So I have this argument all the time because you're trying to field good teams and you're trying to put a bunch of good kids together. And a lot of parents want their kids to be on teams where they have a platform to kind of shine. And I, I I kind of, this parallels with Andrew Luck's thing, right? Because you're a good player on a bad team, but you lose so much that you learn to do it the wrong way because you don't have any help out there. I think that's kind of what you're getting at, right? Like there's so much for you to have to do. That you wind up doing too much. Doing too much and getting huge numbers doesn't always translate into winning football or basketball. Right. Um, so anyway, my argument is that you can not necessarily learn how to lose, but losing has an effect um, uh, eventually on a kid or a player. If that's what you're in year after year after year, sometimes you're broken. It's hard to get him into a winning system and have him play the right way. You have to learn from your losing is the biggest lesson you can learn. Like You have right. to be able to learn so that you don't keep losing. And you have to learn right. how to develop and grow from those experiences. Uh, next game up, Patriots. How excited were you to see Tom Brady? None. Good. Like, cause you didn't get <laughs> Which I didn't think, if, if I had Tom Brady and I'm Bill Belichick, I would not play him at all. Right. I would not play him one snap. Aaron Rodgers didn't play last night. A bunch of guys didn't play. I wouldn't play him one thing. Now, I think people are probably alarmed saying, uh oh, it was a minor back injury. That to me, is Bill Belichick using the troll job, Brady saying, well, we have to have an excuse because we don't have to answer the NFL, saying you got to play your starters. I mean, famously, Brady's been on entire seasons for a minor knee injury. Like, right. He just always is on the injury report because Belichick likes to give the big middle finger. To is him. there an obligation in the NFL? Like, you have to play your starters? No, in not an obligation, but there is a undercurrent from... Really? In preseason games? Well, because they want fans in the stadiums, and they want to still charge pretty good prices for those games. See, another reason, another reason why the damn NBA is just so much better <laughs> than the NFL. Like, owners, you want your stars there for the playoffs, Dude, yeah, like you want that that twenty million dollar like Ferrari, like tuned up and ready to go in like down the stretch in January. Who gives a damn whether he plays in August? So I would not play any of my veterans, but I would play rookies. Like we saw Baker Mayfield play a lot, right? We saw Josh Allen play a lot, and I think you saw exactly why people were concerned about Josh Allen coming out and why he wasn't one of the top quarterbacks taken because he has all this unlimited potential. But he also still has a long way to go to develop as an NFL quarterback. Like he, like it was funny because Twitter was showing out this video and it showed like, look at this arm strength. It was a beautiful pass. It was right. Completed out of bounds. <laughs> because, like, because it was just a little bit off. There was another play where he's, fl- he's flustered. He gets scrambled. He gets flushed from the pocket. And like as he's falling down, just heaves the ball up and it like almost gets picked off. It's like, it looks like a little league play. Like a player, like it looks like a quarterback with his, or a chicken with his head cut off, just running around. Right. Doesn't know what to do with the football. And then he also has a touchdown pass and 116 yards. So he has a pretty good night statistically. This to me is going to be a huge learning curve for Josh Allen. He probably has the longest way to go out of any of the guys. Plus another one. There's another guy. Yeah. Lamar Jackson. Sure. You asked me yesterday, what do you think round two is going to go? He's another guy. It's going to be a development. For Lamar Jackson, here's the thing. I think, though, it's going to be really tempting for John Harbaugh and the Ravens staff to use him in some capacity because the dude can make plays. Right. And we saw that. He scrambled for a touchdown. His speed 
that he showcased at Louisville, it translates. Yeah, like a lot of times you speed. don't see quarterbacks. They have one speed and, ca- and then they get caught up. They're not as athletic and, you know, the NFL speed catches up to them. Sure. Lamar Jackson has Mike Vick type speed. So I think there is, and that's probably why they were experimenting with him at other positions. I think they're going to want to play him. Right. And I think they should because he's that good. But then you worry about the risk of injury and what do you do, you know, what do you do in that situation? Um, yeah, I would, I would try to stave off the temptation of playing him. I, I just, he, there's, he's too raw. He just is. And, and as a passer, as a passer, he's too raw. And I, and I affectionately, I'm a, I'm a Lamar Jackson fan and I want him to succeed. But when you throw him out there just because there's tantalizing speed and you know he's not prepared or armed, uh, forgive the pun, but with what he needs yeah. to do with his arm, like he doesn't have all the knowledge and he can't make all the throws or the reads yet, then you really put him at risk for injury because what he is going to revert to, and that's why you have him out there, is to pull it down, tuck it, and go. And so in some way, you're kind of setting him up to maybe get hurt. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like if I were them, you got Joe Flacco, like – Joe's good, especially when he's motivated. He's been the best training camp, they said, maybe of his career now that he's been pushed a little bit. If you want to package him occasionally, like, and do some stuff like that, but don't, don't start rolling him out Situations. there and hoping. Yeah. I mean, goal line, short yardage, some shot plays you want to put in there, sprinkle right. him in there, cause it's going to be fun to watch when he goes out there. Uh, we hit on uh, some other rookies playing. Josh Rosen's going to play, uh, I'm excited Saturday. to see that. Me too. Sam Darnold, the Jets, he's going to play this weekend too. So lots more to get to with those. We'll hit on those on Monday when we get back. Uh, the NCAA, we talked about, uh, their new rule, right, with allowing players to hire agents. Yeah. If they get undrafted, they can go back to college. One of the biggest things I saw from that report was how do you determine elite basketball players? <laughs> they were going to let USA Basketball do it, and USA Basketball is like, hold on a second, we didn't agree to this. So the NCAA men's basketball VP, Dan Gavitt, says, quote, we could have done a little better job of communicating Wednesday's news with them. I'll just leave it at that. You think? You think you could have done a better job? Of course you could have. How about run it by them before you announce this and put out a PR statement? Can't get right, boss. The NCAA just, they can't get right. And I think it's, it speaks to like just how conceited an, an entity they are. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yes. we're just going to do whatever the hell we want. We're going to say Danny's going to do, like, who the hell are you to be just throwing my name in the mix and we've not even spoken about what, what I'm supposed to do? I think that the NCAA just gets it wrong on a lot it's of levels. It's arrogance, but it's also, it's, it's just not very smart. And they're just, they like get it, really it wrong. Isn't. Like they've done so many things where if you just implemented some common sense, like common sense would tell you, Hey, before we put out this PR statement, let's run it by USA basketball since they're going to be a huge part of it. They, you know, they like, have how many employees sense. does the NCAA have? None of you mofos have common sense. <laughs> like right. there's not one person there that can right. be like, guys, if we screwed this up 99 times, yep. like the 100th time, can we please try to get something right? Apparently not. Apparently they can't get something done as simple as that. Uh, another guy who gets accused a lot of times of not being the best at what his craft is, is Nick's owner, James Dolan. He, so there's been some conversation, maybe some rumors about the Knicks possibly selling. He says, yeah. quote, nope, we're not going to sell. I wouldn't sell if I'm him. That's your whole, that's like your legacy. That's who you are. You're the Knicks owner. If now, you lose that, you're done. What's James? He's a media mogul, right? Is that what James Dolan's deal is? I, I should know this, but I don't. Um, I'm not 100% sure. See, a lot of these dudes, like, that's not their job. Do you understand what I mean? They but made their money doing for. That's how they yeah. get their fame. But so this is the thing, right? So my point about him would be like, this is like his famous like hobby. Do you know what I mean? Like this yeah. is his toy. This is his shiny thing. This is what he gets to go sit in, in the front row and talk to Charles Oakley about. Like you know what I mean? This is yeah. this is this is his claim to fame. Uh, I don't know it's how he made his money though. But as an owner, I mean, 
look, he hasn't gotten it right in a while. He's uh, he's 21 seasons, only eight playoff appearances, one trip to the finals, and I believe that was in a like a lockout uh, shortened season against the Knicks. Yeah, I think that's what that was. Um, he's had 12 head coaches. More importantly, that's what's like the 12 head coaches, uh, the the turnover there in the front office and and in the head seat. Uh, they speak to like an instability there, um, yeah. and, and and that's not good. And that comes from the top down. That's where that starts at ownership, and then it works its way down through your organization. When you were playing in the NBA and you were struggling to make it, yeah, did you ever go and like play pickup hoops to keep in shape to, to well, hone your skill, or did time. you always play like in the USBL or other leagues? No, nah, I played. You would go down to the courts and just play. Yeah, I played. You could did catch people me. know who you were or know sure. that you had played some? Yeah, and that, did you ever do it when you were in the NBA? Yes, I used to you go. Did, I used to go and play Flamingo Park, like on uh, on South Beach. We lived on the beach. Really, like, in the prime of my career, I'd be out there hooping at Flamingo Park with the dudes. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, there's a major league baseball. Baseball players, you really can't. There's not that many. St- opportunities to just go pick up ball but there right. are some men's leagues and jason worth is a player from the major league baseball he's been saying he wants to play so he loves it he goes out and plays he's been playing in men's leagues in the uh, dc area where he played like going out there he actually had a bomb the other night right i think we have video of it because he's out there just playing with some dudes just playing ball which is awesome he gets out there he actually went one for four on the uh-huh. night though uh if you go google it you can find it it went viral the other day but one of my favorite things about him, he said he loves the game, so why why wouldn't he go play? Right. Some some growing up, like I wonder if it's like an over forty league or over thirty league. You know, if it's an older dudes league or if it's like totally college dudes. <laughs> I played last Saturday. I went down and played at University of Miami, straight older league, right. older dude league. Yeah. But he's pretty outspoken. Okay. And I love the fact he came out and he called the. He said Major League Baseball basically has a problem. He said there's a bunch of super nerds in the front office talking about analytics, sabermetrics, and the impact that it's having on the game and said, I think it's killing the game. I think he's spot on because I hate the movement of just numbers, treating players like robots, putting on the shift whenever there's somebody out there, just becoming almost where you're punching in numbers. Managers have been completely marginalized now it's more of a front office game because the front office people are telling the managers what to do because they're plugging in the information and spinning it back out right um i think there's some value in it but i'm always a fan of going with your instincts and what you see and knowing players personalities and strengths as correct. opposed to just numbers so baseball was the first major sport here in the u.s to really take off with the sabermetrics and stuff right and then so, yeah. basketball kind of started to follow suit and when I was in the front office with the Cavs, these are all my guys, so this is not throwing any shade, but there were very few, few basketball players in the room. Like we had guys that had, you know, gone to these amazing universities uh, and studied business and lawyers and, and guys that were, um, you know, economists and stuff like that. But, and everyone thinks they know basketball and probably does. Like you can learn basketball by watching it. You don't have to play it, but there are times where you've got all this information from all these guys and you have to have one or two sets of eyes that it's just a feel thing. Like I, I know this because I've lived this. Like I'm not guessing at it because the numbers are telling me something and I'm making an educated guess. I'm telling you because I lived it and I'm looking in this guy's eyes and that's the way he feels right now because I sat there and that's the way I look. And there's gotta be a marriage of those two things, right? You have to have the guys with the feel, with the experience that know it. And then you've got to have the guys who've learned it and can apply all this data to it. And when those things come together, um, and they, they, they both check boxes for each other, they validate each other, right? They confirm what the numbers are saying and the numbers confirm what the guy with the eyeballs are saying. Then you've got to win, right? right. And when they don't match up, now you've got to have a debate and a conversation about it. But you can't, in today's, like, 
major sport, you can't have too much of either one. It's got to be a good blend and a good marriage. And, and and I guess what he's saying is that baseball, sometimes they don't get that right. NBA teams don't get it right all the time either, but the ones that do a good job have a good blend of both. Yeah, I totally agree. You have to use a little bit of both to get in there. You can't just eliminate one aspect or the other. The best of both worlds is the best of uh, situations. We had 12 uh, preseason games last night. You know what else is coming up pretty soon? College huh. football. Can't wait. What? These guys are starting to report to camp. You're not going to believe who one team had come talk to them. And I'm so jealous that I wish I was there and I wish I had that type of experience when I was in college. Yeah. We're going to hit on that next. Plus a, a little recap of the PGA Championship. Round one was completed yesterday. Uh, pretty good guy on the pretty good leaderboard. We're yep. going to break that down next on Off the Bench. To be an effective leader, you have to be a really good listener. And not to what's being said, but to what's not being said. You know, you have to be really observant. And you have to, that was a big transition for me. I went from being a scorer and a floor general to now, you know, with Powell and Lamar trying to win other championships to being a leader. A little bit about the transition you made later in his career. Mm-hmm. Buy it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to <laughs> buy Kobe, man. Later, later, I think he's, he's always a shooter. I, yeah, Kobe got into moments where he would pass the ball. Yeah, I mean, and I think there was there was growth. You could see growth when he came in. He was purely obsessed with like scoring the ball and proving that he was like the next coming. And he did mature into more of a leader type of player. Um I wish they would have done a Q&A and I would have loved to hear him expand on the LeBron James signing. Like I would I wish I would have could have I could have heard more of him talk about cuz we've seen him tweet, hey, welcome yeah. to the squad, like all this stuff, but I would have I could have hear him. Uh it's obviously not going to go over well in Cleveland, right? And yeah. I love when sports artists get creative with headlines and this headline was maybe one of my be- favorite trolls I've ever seen. So the Cleveland playing dealer, obviously the NBA schedule was released the other day. <laughs> the headline says Lonzo Ball and the Lakers at the queue on November 21st. And then the little subtext says former Cav James also expected to play. Fantastic. Chris Fedor. Way to go, Chris. I that know Chris. That's a raise. That's fantastic. Yeah, and that's the right way to go about. Look, everybody's hurt that LeBron left. That's funny. I think even LeBron's going to laugh at that. Like, yeah. that's, that's, that's cool. Way to Give go, that Chris. Man a raise. <laughs> Time now for your news in 90. The same day Patriots quarterback Tom Brady reportedly had $5 million worth of incentives added to his contract. The 41-year-old quarterback was held out of the Patriots' first preseason game due to what the Boston Globe described as a minor back injury. The report went on to say that Brady was supposed to see some action but is dealing with a sore back. After the game, Bill Belichick said, quote, Some players played, some players didn't. We tried to play people we wanted to take a look at and give some reps to. Cleveland Browns fans have to be smiling after seeing number one overall pick Baker Mayfield shine during his preseason debut on Thursday. His final numbers were impressive, 11 of 20 for 212 yards, two touchdowns, and he added 13 yards on the ground. The Browns beat the New York Giants 20 to 10, extending their preseason win streak to five games. Andrew Luck has finally appeared in an NFL game for the first time in 585 days. Luck, entering his seventh season in the NFL, missed all of last season with a shoulder injury. He went 6-for-9 for 64 yards in his limited action. After the game, he said, quote, How do I approach it, especially leading up to the game? Just try and control my emotions, and then I just sort of said, screw it, and the pressure was off of me. 
And Mookie Betts continued his career year on Thursday night for the Boston Red Sox, but this moment was bittersweet. He became the first Sox player to hit for the cycle in a loss since Carl Yastrzemski in 1965. The 8-5 loss to the Blue Jays snapped Boston's six-game win streak. That was your news in 90. All right, PGA Championship back in full force. Uh, we had the first round wrapped up yesterday. I didn't watch a ton of it. It was hard to find. It was on TNT, which is kind of a unique, you know, spot yeah. for golf to be on. I was watching some of it online. Did watch Tiger play, watch Justin, that group, him and Rory McElroy and Justin Thomas. But to me, the biggest story of the day was Ricky Fowler getting up there second place behind Gary Woodland, uh, dropping a five under number on the first round. I thought it was super impressive. Now, can he sustain it through a weekend and get that elusive first major? That's the biggest question for me. I hope he can. We talked about him yesterday and some of his comments about kind of just letting things happen um, and, and letting organically kind of like, you know, that new school approach to like winning. It'll, it'll all happen when it's time to happen. And I personally am not cut from that. I think you have to go out and kind of seize that moment a little bit more. But I, I hope Ricky gets it because he's he's too good of a player. And he's got he's, – this is his 36th major. He's got nine top tens, eight top fives. Three second place finishes. I mean, it's only a matter of time, right? Like statistically speaking, he should get one. He's been playing great. You know who else has been playing great though? Like Ian Poulter's been playing great. Yeah. Uh, you got Dustin Johnson up there at three under. Um, you know, Justin Rose at three under. You got Jason Day and, and, and a group, you know, tied at fifth. So there's some firepower up there. I, I believe that are going to chase him down. It ain't easy to win. Right. It's not easy to win a regular tour event, let alone a major. Uh, but I, I think the comments that, so here was Ricky talking about, his elusive first major, he said, I always have hope. I know Phil Mickelson didn't win a major until his 30s. Ricky's 29. I don't know the exact numbers, but it's not some not something I necessarily worry about. Keep putting ourselves in position, get in contention. We have had plenty of runner-ups. Jack had a lot of runner-ups. We'll just keep beating that down that door. I think he's handling it the right way. I mean, well, I, you don't want to put, you don't want to stress out about it. Then it affects your game, yeah. a very mental game. Yeah, I, I'm sure it's on his bucket list. I'm sure it's a goal that he wants to accomplish. Yeah, I mean, could you handle a little better and say, I want that killer. That's all. I'm, my whole life is just built around winning a major. Maybe that's probably what people want to hear. Right. But I think he's just being honest. Like, hey, I think it'll happen. I'm doing everything I can to do to, to get to yeah. there. And we'll let everything else fall in place. Uh, today, uh, 248, Justin Thomas, Roy, and Tiger again are at it. So actually we'll be able to I'm watch gonna tune that, into on, that too. on TV. So yeah, I'm going to tune in and check that one out too. All right. We promised you some fantasy football talk. We're going to get to that. Dave Richard, he knows what he's talking about because you or I don't. <laughs> we got to sign up for a fantasy league too. Plus we're going to have our five star Q and A Friday. One of my favorite segments of the week. That's next on Off the Bench with Kennell and Bell. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench with Canell and Bell. Let's do a little fantasy football talk. Sure. You and I are okay at it, but let's bring in a true expert, our guy uh, Dave Richard. We've had him on before, do a little fantasy talk. Dave, before I get to the hardcore ins and outs of it, how much value do you put on the film study, what you learn in the preseason? Because I look at it, and I almost think you should you should be good in the preseason. Like, that should be the expectation. To me, it's more alarming if you're bad. But how much value do you put in the games themselves? Well, I agree with you. I think if you're out there in the preseason and, and you look like you're totally lost, it, it's hard to to have a lot of faith in you for fantasy purposes. I think it depends on the situation. Veterans, you really can't get a lot out of it. But the rookies, young players, and certainly when you're judging an offensive line, I, I think this is the time of year where you can glean some good information. How are the rookies being used? Are they playing with the starters or the backups? What's the running back rotation like for a team? What, what type of personnel are they using? Not necessarily which players are they using. I think all that stuff matters. And just the, the, the tail, 
there's all kinds of cautionary tales. The, the players that go off for 150 yards and two touchdowns in the preseason, or even in one preseason game, and people gravitate toward them, and then they're, they stink during the regular season. But you remember Dak Prescott a couple of years ago? Remember how Dak yeah. came on, and he, he didn't look like a rookie. He looked like he was uh, you know, a five-year NFL vet. That's when you knew that Dak Prescott was going to be something good. And, uh, and fantasy owners started to take him with a late pick because they weren't sure when Tony Romo was going to be back. And he ended up being great for fantasy. Um, speaking of uh, quarterbacks, Andrew Luck, uh, having him back on the field last night uh, and the limited performance that he had, does he, does he move at all on your board? Well, he already moved up, Raja. He was already in my top five. I'm, I was over the moon when I started hearing about how he was doing in Colts practice. And then you put him in Seattle, and he he didn't make a lot of like deep throws or tough, tight window throws, but he looked like himself. There was a point in the first quarter where I'm watching him play, and I caught myself. I, he didn't look like I, I wasn't even worried about arm fatigue or arm strength, accuracy. I felt confident in his accuracy. Everything everything was good. His pass protection was good, and he was even playing without the starting left tackle. So I was really encouraged by Andrew Luck, and it just fortified where I have him ranked as a top-five guy. I've got him ahead of Russell Wilson, who's in the same game. Wilson played well, too, but I'd rather have Luck for the upside. I think he throws a lot this season. I think that Colts defense is going to be really stinky. I, I think Andrew Luck is in for a monster year. Uh, the Patriots backfield's crowded. I was all over Sony Michelle. Love that, uh, draft pick from the Patriots, but it was, but it was Ralph Webb who kind of stole the show last night. Is this like, if you're looking at this backfield, who do you take? Okay. So this is where the preseason might not matter as much because the Patriots are probably going to value practice habits and hard work over the performances in one game. I, I, Webb looked great. There's no doubt about it. Jeremy Hill had their first goal line touchdown. I, I don't believe Rex Burkhead played. We know that Sony Michelle didn't play. I just I don't think that there's a lot of merit into trusting anybody in the Patriots run game based on their first preseason game. All right, Dave, appreciate it, man. Thanks for getting up early and uh, some more games this weekend. Uh, best of luck. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Dave. It's a beautiful time of year, gentlemen. Look forward to talking to you next time. You got it. All right, let's check in with Hannah and see what's going on. What's socially relevant out there on the uh, interwebs? All right, guys, first things first. So Carmelo Anthony may have finally signed with Houston earlier this week. But before that chapter of his career started, we have to remember the tiny chapter that he had to close before, you know, that five-day stint with Atlanta. So on Thursday, the Hawks tweeted out this photo of Melo's jersey with number 15 on the back saying, quote, hey, Carmelo Anthony, your jersey is on its way. Good luck, fam. And then, of course, leave it to none (laughs) other than LeBron James to respond to this one. He posted with a bunch of crying, laughing emojis. And he said, hell of a run in the A, my brother. (laughs) Guys, let's just be clear here. The guy never even stepped foot on the floor in Atlanta, but he still wanted the threads. Is this just me or is it super embarrassing? Nah, man. Get that that paper. Get that paper (laughs) and the jersey, bro. Hey, listen, when you're a pro, get whatever they'll give you because they stop giving it when you're not a pro anymore. Take Every what single, you can get. There's a lot of important positions within NBA franchises like head coach, general manager, strength coach. I think yeah. the social media manager yeah, is yeah, yeah. one of the most important jobs <laughs> and it's probably some 23-year-old like right out of college. But if you have a good one and do stuff like this, it can really like, it can be great for sure. your franchise. So well done by the uh, social media team at the, uh, the uh, Hawks. 
guys, I thought that was embarrassing, and I'm a Mellow <laughs> fan. Like, I'm a Cuse girl, and I thought that was bad. So no, I want to <laughs> listen, Hannah. When I left, I want my game shorts. I want as many jerseys as I can get. Give me all my kicks. I'm going to store them in the attic. I need like <laughs> nine pairs of NBA socks. Throw me some tights in the bag, a couple t-shirts, and a sweatshirt. Give it I'll all see to you guys me. later. Yeah, exactly. And that 25 mil. And the 25 mil didn't hurt you. <laughs> Definitely have to visit that attic. All right, so Players Weekend is back. It's going down on August 24th through the 26th. But the best part of this weekend is when the players get to show some personality and put their nicknames on the back of their jersey. So I grabbed some of the ones that I thought were the best. Brad Boxberger from the Arizona Diamondbacks. He, I think, is the first player to ever use emojis. He used a box, then a burger, which I thought was pretty clever. Another good one was Shane Bieber from the Indians. The back of his jersey says, not Justin. So you guys know what I'm going to ask you now. What would be on the back of your jersey? What nickname? I don't know. <laughs> I would do, I love the emoji idea. Yeah, emoji like, was I, good. I think I would do, cause it, but if you do like the cry face, which is what I use the most, like laughing out loud or one of those. Yeah. I think like it doesn't translate to your skill. Like maybe I give like thumbs up and a, like the, the bicep. Strong, well, yeah, strong. like the arm giving the, I don't, I would do something with emojis. Maybe try to send some message with the emojis. So when we were, like your rooming list used to come out for the NBA, right? And everybody had an alias so that random fans couldn't call up and like right. call your room and disturb you. So when I was in Philly, they gave me one. It was angry black. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was, like, that ever. was, that was my, um, uh, Scotty Rago and my man, uh, Al Lumpkin, they gave me that. So it was angry black. It was so pretty that like was, appropriate. Too. Yeah, it was good. I was, at the time, and then by the time I got to Phoenix, I was most deaf. Uh, so I'd probably go angry black because that'd be fun. <laughs> That's fantastic. Wait, Danny, let me get this straight. You would have the it was the thumbs up. I would do two thumbs up, and maybe oh, a strong okay. guy. I would maybe put in the strong guy in the middle. But then like th- that's a, not even a, like a pun. You'd have thumb like strong guy thumb. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be thumb strong guy thumb. I would try to figure out something maybe with the name. What would yours do? What would you use, Hannah? Um, it would probably say Chuck. That's what my friends at home call me for a stop check. It's sure. not really clever. <laughs> or you could do like the uh, the phonetic spe- spelling of your name, like oh, how right. you told me. You could do O O H stop mm-hmm. and then Chuck. Oh, with a stop sign and then oh, and then like a Chuck go. Taylor. That'd there be you dope. go. You oh, guys watch out. Emojis. It's going to be one yeah. of those framed jerseys right behind you. <laughs> Coming in hot. All right, guys, you're not getting rid of me just yet. We're moving on to the best part of the day, Five Star Friday. So you know how this works. Leave us a review on iTunes. Give us five stars. Ask us whatever you want, and we have to answer it. So the first question from Ajo Bo. Excuse me. I'm sorry if I'm not saying that right. He says, what's more of a grind, being an NBA or NFL player or being a parent? It's not uh, even close, bro. It's <laughs> not even close. It's being a parent, my dude. It is nonstop. There's not any. Like, you could leave a gym. You know what I mean? Like you I used to take two hour naps room. when I was in yeah, bro. <laughs> right? Naps, correct. I'll never forget. I, my wife and I did premarital counseling. Like, right, part of a lead up to our yeah. wedding was you had to go meet with the pastor and talk to him. And so we were meeting with his pastor, and he pulled me aside. And he was like, "Hey, he's like, you're gonna experience tiredness like you've never experienced when you have multiple kids." And I yeah. was like, "Man, I'll Whatever. be fine. Like, I'll be great." I've never experienced tiredness oh, like you have the last time. When you have multiple children under the age of 10, and I just wonder when it gets easier. Like, does it get, like, do you get more rest or not until they leave for college? I don't think until they, like, they gotta get self-sufficient where they can cook their own, like, stuff and make their own. Right. Uh, so, real you quick. Can't under, you can't understand it until you have kids. No, you can't. Like, Hannah so, so and D, to, like, Dakota and Diva, they're all listening, like, what are they talking about? To that point, I was in, <laughs> I was in Utah, and my kids were like, 
they were little like mascot kids running around. Like my oldest was like, I don't know, five or six. And so Gordon Hayward, Jeremy Evans, and those guys were like rookies. Um, and they used to ask me, like, they'd be like, yo, Rob, you want to come play like some Xbox? Or you want, what are you doing after thing? I'm like, bro. And I would tell them what my day looked like. Yeah. I was like, I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna shoot some hoops in the living room with the kids. I was like, then we're gonna get lunch. Then I'm gonna wrestle with the kids. All right. And then we're gonna go over there. We're gonna play some Xbox. And then we're gonna, <laughs> and I, they were like, you do all that with your kids. I was like, yes, bro. It's all day. It doesn't stop. You know what takes the most energy? I know we're probably going too long on this, but is saying no or stop it. Like, yeah. oh my god, because you're constantly doing that. Yeah. Like, you never just, just chill. <laughs> All right, sorry, we're gonna go on to a whole parenting pod. No, uh, I think the- it's so funny. <laughs> I love the fact that I can't relate to this at all. Like, I'm I'm tired all the time, and I'm not an athlete, and I'm not a parent, so <laughs> I don't know what that means. I'm just a bum. Okay, from Jared Wirtz, he said, going into this season, which two teams do you think will have the most wins, and which two teams do you think will have the most losses? Interesting. Is that an NFL college? Yeah. You want to do, do, do NFL? I'll do NBA. <laughs> <laughs> right. For the NFL, I'll go with the Minnesota Vikings will have the most wins. And I'll go with the Patriots because they're always the safest bet if you're taking those. Yeah. Uh, most losses, teams are going to be bad this year. Gosh. I mean, the Browns were bad last year, but I think they turn it around. There's going to be some, some uh Who's going to be a bad team? I think the Bills could be in trouble. Yeah. I think they had given away time. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I know Danny. I shouldn't go to the playoffs last year. I know I shouldn't do that to you. The Dolphins looked bad last night. Yeah. There we go. They've been atrocious. So, um, candidates. Yeah. Let's see. Most wins. I'll go with the uh Golden State. That's an easy one. And I want to say Houston or Boston. Um, I'm going to say Boston, though. I think Houston has a little regression there. Um and then most losses, that's another tough one. Uh Sacramento maybe. Right. Um like the perennial bottom dweller. In Phoenix, yeah. yeah. Or Brooklyn. Like one of those like two of those three maybe. I'll go with the Jets. The Jets are gonna have a bad season. There you too. go. Yeah. Sounds better to me. Next one from <laughs> NC Buckeye fifteen. He says, Danny, if you were to set up a quarterback tier survey for backups in the NFL, what would that look like? Who would your top three backups be? Uh so Debo hit me up this. I knew this question was coming. I was trying to think about it. And I didn't know if he was being funny or like serious because, yeah. but it is the, one of the most important positions in the game. So I had Nick Foles obviously is the best backup. He's coming off a Super Bowl MVP, played phenomenal in the late run for the Eagles last year. Assuming he's the backup, I'd go with him number one. And then I like guys who have experience starting. So Matt Schaub, I would put him second. Yeah. And then as funny as it is talking about the Jets and how bad they're going to be, Josh McCown is an outstanding backup quarterback not in case he has to play which he he plays fine when he gets in there but from a mentor perspective like he is going to do amazing things not only for sam Darnold, but also for teddy bridgewater those guys can look up to him as a vet who's been there and i think that can be almost as valuable as if you're called into service it's yeah. like what types of information insight do you provide to the other quarterbacks in that roster so those would be my top three Next one from Lancy Moss 87. He says, what is the best sporting event you witnessed in person besides the ones that you have been a part of? Love the show. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Lance. Oh, uh, yeah, Lance, that's a good question. Lance, um, uh, so off the rails, like running with the bulls or anything? Nah, not running with the bulls. I mean, I went to, I went to a really cool, uh, soccer match one year when we were, we were doing training camp over in Europe and, um, Italy had just won the World Cup, so I got to see them play the Ukraine, and they were like lighting fires and stuff in the stands, like it was bananas. <laughs> uh, but like I, all of those Miami games back at the old Orange Bowl were fantastic. Like when we used to beat up on you guys and stuff <laughs> like that, that was really cool. But my favorite might have been the year Brock Berlin. Brock Berlin had transferred back to University of Miami. He had come from the Gators, I believe, and the Gators were like stomping us in the Orange Bowl, and it just looked like it was a wrap. Everybody was like down, and then he like. 
he mastermind this comeback and we wound up winning the game. And that, that atmosphere in the Orange Bowl, what, it likened me back to the years like when I was a youngin and, and it was electric. So that was probably, that was, Orange Bowl games were super cool. Yeah, I would say that. So something like I got, I think that I didn't expect that I would like was the Daytona 500. I only really? went once. I'm not a NASCAR guy. <clears throat> but I, it was incredible. And it was crazy because you also, also had really cool access. Yeah. I went with, uh, Jason Seahorn and his wife was doing the flag wave. And so we got to go in the pit and like talk right. to the drivers before the race. But you hear the energy and the magnitude and like the noise and the power. Like it was pretty, it was a pretty cool event. Like that's definitely a bucket list. Uh, for if you haven't, even if you're not a race car fan, which I wasn't, right? It was just something really cool to see. But I would love to go see a soccer game, uh, international soccer yeah. game. I'm not going like to see the Red Bulls or whatever they are. Come on, bro! I'm getting season I'm tickets for the Miami. Are you yeah, FC yeah. Miami? What is it? FC go. Miami or I'll, I'll hit you up. Atletico. Yeah. All right, last one for today. This is from GT Buzz. Danny, this one's for you. He said, "Danny, can you confirm if you had a theoretical <laughs> son that you would let him play football, and if so?" <laughs> whose son would win in a hypothetical Oklahoma drill, yours or Obama's? <laughs> I'm glad I think you got it right with the hypothetical, the second. Is there such a thing as a theoretical son? Wouldn't it be a hypothetical son? I think he corrected it on the second yes, one. You're right. I would let him play if my son wanted to play. I would right. not force him to play, but if he was coming up asking me to play, I would start him in flag football and say, hey, let's learn some of the basics yeah. there. And uh, I would monitor it. I would watch his coaches, talk to him, and heck yeah, he would run Obama's kid over. <laughs> talking about that strong arm emoji coming at you. Strong arm. Arm, thumb up, strong arm. Yeah. All right, guys, that's all I have for you for five-star Q&A. Don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Ask us whatever you want. We have to answer it. Danny, what's coming up next? All right, we got some uh, college football news that was announced, right. a couple items. We got some scheduling items. Florida State and LSU are playing. I think it's a great thing. Some people don't like it, though. And we have a coach who's been extended till he's 83 years old. I'll tell right. you who that is coming up next on Off the Bench. Welcome back to Off the Bench with Canel and Bell. Let's finish off some topics. I, uh, I'm pretty open and honest, like when I'm just flat out jealous of people. Right. I'm jealous of Steph Curry. <laughs> I think he's dude has the life, right? He's one of the best players in the NBA and he's also a really good golfer. Really? And that like drives me nuts. So he actually in his spare, in his off time, he got an exemption to play at a web.com, uh, event, the Ellie Mae Classic for the second straight year. Yeah. You know what he shot? Uh. Just 71. Damn you, Steph. Like, that's pretty good playing. Damn He's you, in, sir. Now, in the, you know, overall picture of the web.com, I don't, he probably won't make the cut. Right. But he's 106. He's in front of a lot of guys who are trying to make it as professional golfers. This is incredible. He's a super talented dude, man. Like, he's, he's playing golf. Like, the story was Davidson came to campus, uh, to scout, like, the basketball team. Yeah, Charlotte Christian. Yeah, and they didn't love everything in there. And the coach was like, no, wait, wait, dude, like, the best player's not even playing basketball. He's on the golf course. So, he's, like, Dell is a really good golfer. Um, uh, their family plays a lot of golf. Uh, he's just a talented dude. Like, Steve Nash is kind of like that. Um, trying to think of other people I've been around that no matter what they pick up, they're just really, like, I'm like that. And I'm just saying, but no, yeah. like, whatever. Yeah. I, I didn't, I'm not good with golf like that, but in all jokes aside, whatever he touches probably is going to be really good at. Mom was a really good volleyball player. Yeah. Just an athlete and a good dude, more importantly. Yeah, for sure. All right. What do you got? Uh, my bad. Uh, let me tee up Danny on this Florida State. I don't want to talk Florida State. So Come I on. Let's I'm do the, it. All right. So Florida State and LSU agreed to a two term, a two term neutral site series, but it's not really a neutral site. Uh, Brett yeah. McMurphy reported they'll meet in 2022 and 2023. Uh, 2022 is in New Orleans. 
81 miles from the damn LSU campus. Right. And, and 2023 is in Orlando, uh, which is a little further away from FSU campus. I love this. We, I played neutral site games. We played in Orlando. We played Notre Dame. I yeah. thought it was great. I did see some Florida State fans and some college football fans, you know, saying, well, why not just do a home and home? Cause it'd be great to see those teams, you know, play in their own home, home field advantage. Yeah. But I think it's great. I think it gives both schools an opportunity to grow their fan base a little bit to kind of for recruiting for all these other purposes there's a complaint that says oh it's a money grab it's just a way to make more money i think it's great like and the more you can schedule these games i don't care where they're played sure. it's not going to be it'll be easier for florida state fans to get to orlando than it is to get to tallahassee and it'll be easier especially if you're flying in from somewhere right it'll be easier to fly into orlando or fly into new orleans than it is to get to tallahassee like, or Baton Rouge. Wh- why are we talking about a florida team playing like lsu when miami plays them like in September, like why would we be talking about anybody other than Miami <laughs> playing against LSU? I have no idea. Don't be a hater. I have no idea. Anyway, all right. So you tease this one. Bill Snyder agreed to a five-year contract extension uh, at Kansas State through 2022. He'll make uh, 3.45 in 2018, and he'll get a $300,000 raise over the next two seasons. He would be 83 uh, at the end of the deal. Dude's one of the best coaches, but not talked about enough. The amount of success he's had at Kansas State. Uh, hung it up earlier, like 15 years ago, and the program fell apart. So we came back, and they're right back to where they used to be. I think you know what you kind of ex- to expect at Kansas State. Like, I don't, they're not contending for national championships. Yeah, they probably say it, and it's a pipe dream for them. But the guy has been the source of stability. He's been consistent. They still are winning. Good for him, I guess, right? I yeah. Mean, there no. will be a point, though, where you start, and hopefully we don't get there, and it happens with all of them. It happened with Bobby Bowden. It happened with Joe Paterno. Uh, where the fans start saying, oh, is he too old? Recruiting, they start to hurt you in recruiting because players right. don't know how long you're going to be there. Uh, but good for him for getting his paper. I mean, we were talking about getting your paper. Whoever is Carmelo Anthony, like he's getting paid. Keep yeah, I'm not mad at you, brother. They're yep. going to give it to you. Take it. All right. So some of the hardest things in sports that are out there to accomplish are like these feats that people go for. Uh, Mookie Betts accomplished one of those. So he hit for the cycle last night while John Carlos Stanton, he had a home run and it was the, uh, the, the highest exit velocity oh. at 121.8 miles per hour, the highest in StatCast history. Now, they've only been recording it, it for a few years. Yeah, it was a really hard hit home run. Does either one of these impress you more than the other? Mookie. no question about it. Yeah, dude. That's hitting, hitting for the for cycle, cycle is one of the hardest things to do in all of sports, not just baseball. Hitting a single is one of the hardest things to do in, <laughs> in all sports when the ball's moving all around at 100 miles an hour. But, yeah, hitting for the cycle definitely – uh I mean, exit velocity is great, but the dude's jacked. Like, that's exactly. what he does. He gets home run. I think the the exit velocity is what Jason Worth was talking about. He said nerds are ruining the game. Yeah. I don't care. I can tell if a home run's going far, if it's hit long, it was a hard hit ball. You don't have to tell me how hard it was, how fast it was going out, because it's a mile an hour or .5 miles an hour than the last one. Correct. Like, that makes a difference. We know John Carlos Stanton hits bombs. It doesn't matter. Like, it's it's all good. Um Cool, man. How are you doing with the five days a week stuff? Um, I'm hanging in there, man. Good. Yeah, I got a little cold. I think I'm getting run down. I get my vitamin C and my vitamin game on. I'm trying All to. Right. Go- We're back next right. week with five more days. So I hope everybody's listening. Keep uh, subscribing. Keep giving us love. We appreciate it for all our bench warmers. As always, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canel and Bell.